Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. We are nearing the two-year anniversary of the podcast, and I absolutely can't believe it. We're at almost 500,000 downloads on the podcast, and we're over 15 million views on the YouTube channel. And I just appreciate you so much for being here, for being a law nerd, and for wanting to have a conversation about the facts. Today, I am rec- as I am recording this, I should say, it is Sunday, November 7th. So I am sure between this recording and the airing of this episode that more will come out regarding the tragedy at Astroworld. But we're going to go over what we know today and the two lawsuits that have already been filed. Yes, you're like, didn't this just happen Friday? Accurate. This just happened on Friday. But there are eight people dead from the event at Astroworld. Autopsies are still pending. Over 300 people were injured throughout the day. 17 were transported to the hospital. 11 of those were reported to be in cardiac arrest. And there is really a lot to cover. So we're not even starting with a quote. We're just going to get into it. We we have a lot to do. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. I will say that before we hop right into this, we do have a sponsor of today's show. Uh, Most of my episodes are sponsored, so even when the topics are difficult, like this one is, we still have sponsors that have signed contracts to have things sponsored in the videos. And so we are going to share that now. I really do appreciate having the episode sponsors. It helps when we talk about things that sometimes get demonetized on YouTube and allows me to continue to bring you the research and the facts as a full-time content creator. So we're going to do that right now. Before we get into the rest of today's video, I just want to say a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Casetify. I really enjoy Casetify because not only does it have up to nine feet of drop protection, it's recycled materials, but it's also hugely customizable. And that's where you get your girl, Emily. I love a customizable phone case. You know, I just got the new iPhone 13. I love upgrading my phones, but I have to protect them. Casetify uses a Chi Tech technology on the sides to provide that drop protection, but the case doesn't feel heavy or bulky or thick. It actually fits really sleek on my phone. And you guys look how cute. Look, look at what we picked. Yes, Lawnard. You can customize this on their website. And if you do, casetify.com slash Emily D will get you 15% off. Do you love this? You Please feel free to copy it. You can make it right on their website, which I love. Their site has so many options to customize the right case for your phone. I'm going to show you the other ones I got, but I thought it was hilarious that right here on the Casetify site, Mike, 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 Mike has a case. Is someone a Lawnard fan over at Casetify? Because I feel like Mike, 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 Mike might be hiding out over on the Casetify team. (laughs) If you don't watch the content regularly, you don't know what you don't know. Not only are the cases recyclable and customizable, but they are super cute. I love the watercolor clouds and, and 
Look how cute this is. It's my initials. I love it. I think you'll love them too. Please tag me on social and go ahead and use casetify.com slash D for 15% off your new favorite phone case. Maybe, just maybe, it'll be this one. Feel free to copy it. I love it so much. Thank you, Casetify, for sponsoring this video and for the amazing cases. All right, let's get back into today's episode. Thank you again to today's sponsor, Casetify. Let's get into the facts of what happened at Astroworld. Astroworld is a two-day music festival in Houston, Texas, hosted by rapper Travis Scott or produced by, put on by, headlined by rapper Travis Scott. This event sold out in April, May with like 100,000 tickets sold. Uh, What will come up later is there was actually a tweet when that was sold about Travis Scott saying, don't worry, we're still trying to figure out how to get some more of the wild ones in, even if we have to stink them in. Uh, And that will come up later on in the episode. But it sold out in under an hour. Law enforcement estimates state that there were over 50,000 people at the venue on Friday, November 5th, when this happened. This was hosted at NRG Park in Houston. That is a county property, which will factor into lawsuits down the road. When you listen to the intro and you're like, oh my God, I can't, I can't wrap my head around eight people being dead at a concert, 300 people injured, 17 taken in the hospital. Like I can't wrap my head around this due to do concert related injuries. And yes, we've seen concerts that have gone horribly wrong. Things like the route 91 festival in Las Vegas come to mind immediately, but that was the act of a malicious shooter who was in a, positioned in a hotel and killing people. We've seen um, nightclub fires where people have been trapped. This is different in that this is a by all reports right now, was an outdoor festival. It was not filled over capacity. Most of the reports now are that people were going into cardiac arrest due to a crowd surge. And yes, as the autopsies come out, we will know more about that. But this largely seems like a crowd-related crisis, which is where some of these lawsuits and the position these lawsuits are taking. There have been some conspiracy theories online, and we will address those two as we get in. But I thought that the timeline was really helpful. And as I was researching this episode, I put that together too, because I wanted to know. There's been a lot of criticism online that this show was not stopped. It seems from reports that Travis Scott did finish his entire intended set list, including having special guest Drake join him on stage. It does seem that pretty early on in the set that there were issues, but it also seems that some of those issues started even before Travis Scott took the stage with people early in the day uh, swarming security, knocking over the metal detectors, pushing down the fencing, and rushing into the venue. So it's unclear if there were more than the 50,000 people in the crowd that were estimated, or if that 50,000 person estimate includes those that may have rushed in without ticketing, um, and clearly without being searched, which is always a safety concern for a concert venue or any, any mass 
gathering. So Travis Scott, it's reported, took the stage at about 9 p.m. Um, reports say that panic in the crowd and the crowd swelling really began at about 9.15, but those reports have varied across social media. Authorities declared this a mass casualty event at 9.38 p.m. and were told by Live Nation, according to their reports, that the concert would be stopped. But other reports indicate that there was concern with a 50,000-person crowd and barely over 100 security and law enforcement officers that stopping the concert early could create further issues in the form of unrest or rioting because the concert was stopping. So there was absolutely a concern and a conversation about stopping the concert or not. There are reports and videos of crowds um, and the crowds close to the stage chanting, stop the show. And we will get into the other things that have been shared on social media in a few. Attendees have speculated that there wasn't enough security. We'll get into what the city of Houston had to say about that. And the event did end at 10, 10 p.m. per the mayor of Houston at the press conference held on Saturday. There uh, were also reports from the head of the fire department or the the, chief, the fire chief of Houston, saying that after the event ended, it only took about an hour to clear out the venue, that ingress and egress weren't an issue at this venue, meaning getting in and out of the aisles and getting in and out of the entrances and exits weren't a problem. But that's not, well, it's not... <laughs> It's 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 in it's not incongruent with the reports that the crowd was packed in so tight that people couldn't get out. It's not that the exit was blocked, it's that the crowds were so packed together and so tightly packed together that people could not breathe, they could not move, and they were getting trampled. The victims who were killed ranged in age from 14 to 27, which is absolutely heartbreaking. This whole thing is heartbreaking, but just, I mean, the fear that's been shared on social media from the people who were able to get out of the pit and either get to the hospital or get out and get home and retell their experiences are just chilling and, and heartbreaking. And one of the uh, women who shared her story on Instagram, and those will all be linked down below, talked about people were drowning in a sea of people. Like people were crushed together so tightly that they actually physically couldn't breathe, which when you look at the numbers reported from law enforcement that 17 people were transported to the hospital and 11 were in cardiac arrest, you can understand that not being, I mean, not being able to breathe can trigger people to go into cardiac arrest. So not being able to actually expand your chest and breathe is scary. People being knocked to the floor um, and trampled and having others knocked to the ground on top of them. People reporting that they had multiple people on top of them. People reporting that when they fell, they fell onto people who were already laying on the floor. It's just, it's just harrowing um, looking at these reports on social media. And while I'm not going to get into all the details of them, I will link the firsthand reports down below and talk about them kind of as we go through this. On Saturday, there was a press conference regarding the tragedy at Astroworld. The mayor of Houston, a judge in the district, Judge Hildago, the fire chief and the police chief all spoke at that. And I'm going to just share some of the takeaways from me. It was interesting because I read a lot of the media reports and then I went and listened to the entire press conference and I'm like, 
Some of those quotes attributed to the press conference are not exactly what they said, which when you are getting um, reports out quickly, I understand that. But I'm like, no, sometimes you have to stop something and listen to it two or three times to really hear what has been said. So I'm glad I went and listened to the press conference instead of just relying on all of the media reports in this. But the mayor of Houston uh, confirmed the eight casualties and said that as of Saturday, no one was reported missing, meaning everyone had been reunified with family or with friends that were looking for them. There was a hotel set up as the location for reunification uh, after this event because there was so much chaos and confusion, it seems, that the... um, the law enforcement on hand was 528 uh, Houston PD officers and 755 private security officers that were hired through Live Nation. And the mayor also offered condolences um, to the families and to really the people of Houston, saying that we've, you know, we've safely hosted the World Series. This is an unusual event. The judge who spoke talked again, offered condolences, talked about the fact that this incident was unprecedented, that they were asking for a independent and objective investigation into what happened and how it could have been prevented. The judge said that Live Nation and Astroworld had a security plan and a site plan, but the judge said, but those plans weren't followed, which is going to factor in to the civil liability that we will be talking about later. It was very interesting to me that the judge, it seemed to have reviewed those plans. This is just my impression when she spoke, but um, that there was there were security plans and site plans with all of the local agencies. And the judge said, not it seems that those plans weren't followed. The judge said those plans weren't followed and wanting to figure out Um, what happened here. She said that the families of those who died and everyone affected deserves answers as to what took place. I agree. Called for that investigation and then talked about the fact that there had been an incident with the 2019 Astroworld as well and saying that in that case, they had people knocking down fences, uh, jumping security, the same uh, type of barrage of people forcing their way into the event that you had here. And the judge said that the fencing was reinforced and it was stronger and there were more personnel um, and reiterated multiple times that there was more law enforcement and more security than at the 2019 Astro World. And of course, we're referencing back to 2019 because in 2020, it was canceled. When the Houston police chief spoke, he reiterated that the amount of officers and the amount of Live Nation security sent his respects and and well wishes to the families, asked people not to get into social media speculation that this would be an ongoing investigation. But he did confirm and discuss the reports of somebody going around the venue and injecting people or needle sticking people. I didn't realize that this was becoming a thing. And Lawnards reached out on Twitter and was saying, this is becoming a problem in clubs and bars in Europe as well, where people are forcibly injected um, with either fentanyl or other opioids through a syringe, which is just horrifying to me that this is the thing. I mean, I grew up in the age where everybody covered their cup because they didn't want roofies put in their drinks. You never let somebody else make your drink. You always kept an eye on your drink or you drank out of a can. So it was harder for somebody to put something in your drink. But this is a whole nother level of scary to me um, that I didn't realize was a growing problem until, again, the Lawnard 
pointed it out, um, which is why I appreciate you all so much because I am just one person with with a research team of me. And y'all are really also part of my research team. And I appreciate that. But those reports had been going around social media. I had questions about them initially because people were saying, oh, someone was running around injecting people. I'm like, that doesn't make sense with the reports of how tightly packed people were, like people who put their hands up to record on their cell phone, couldn't put their arms back down because they didn't have enough room to do so. People being picked up off their feet and carried along with the sea of people um, that were crushing towards the stage at this concert. So somebody just running around didn't make a lot of sense to me. But, but the chief of police for Houston PD said that a security officer at the event was trying to detain someone, felt a prick on their neck, went unconscious, was revived with Narcan, which is an anti-opioid that you would give to someone if they were ODing or something like that to reverse the effects. So gave them Narcan, revived that security officer, and then medical staff observed physical um physical markings on the neck indicating that there was some kind of puncture or prick to the neck. So there is at least one verified report out there of this happening to an individual. I'm sure the autopsies will come back with more. Um, I would hate to think that that someone was willfully seeking to harm and or kill people at this concert and that perhaps, and this is just my thought process, that perhaps the storming of the security gates allowed for something like that to happen. Because obviously when people are storming through security, they're not going through metal detectors, bags are not being searched, and people can bring things in um, that they shouldn't otherwise have. It just really, um, it's just a really chilling thought. The police chiefs indicated that this is a criminal investigation from their perspective right now, and they are going to be working with both homicide and the narcotics divisions. So I think they are giving, by bringing narcotics in, I think that one verified you know, needle stick is giving them some pause, and they are bringing those two divisions together to investigate what happened. The police chief indicated that people started going down around 9.30, but other reports are showing 9.15 is when people really started getting... Um, scared and having issues. He also indicated that there were 25 arrests that night, 23 arrests were for trespassing. And again, that doesn't surprise me with the reports of the um, barrage on the the entrance. One was arrested for possession of marijuana and one for public intoxication. Uh, I'm sure those all happened earlier in the day before uh, Travis Scott went on because it seemed that it was all hands on deck once this concert started and the crowd surges became a problem. The... Fire chief spoke next and indicated that the primary medical support on site was through a third-party company. This is relevant and important to me because of the potential for liability. So now you have a third-party provider there on site to help with medical, and there are quite a lot of reports on social media that the medical personnel were freaking out and didn't quite know what to do. Houston Fire Department indicated that they had 20 pre-positioned units on standby, and then additional units were requested at 930. So again, we're getting this um, time frame 
very much pinned on a half an hour into the show and then the show ending uh, 40 minutes later. But they had 20 pre-positioned units and called in additional units, additional units for fire. So additional ambulances at 930. So at 930, that indicates to me that fire knew that 20 ambulances was not going to be enough. It's surprising to me that someone did not stop the show or at least have Travis Scott stop performing and say, everybody, we need to turn the lights on for a minute. People are having medical emergencies. We need to make way for medical personnel. Take a moment, take a breath, and then we'll resume. I've seen shows stopped for weather that stop very smoothly. And it's like, hey, we've got to stop for weather. We'll resume in 30 minutes. It's not unheard of um, or even uncommon that that happens at concerts. So just Emily thoughts. The fire chief did say that he would like to point out that from the time that a mass casualty was declared to the time that they had units on scene was two minutes, saying that the fire response was very, very fast. He also said that permits were legally obtained, permits for the ingress and egress, permits for the pyrotechnic displays, um, permits for the tenting and things like that, and that there were inspectors on scene making sure that all of those things were taking place properly. And it seems at this point that all of those things were done properly. The chief also said that there was no occupancy permit because this was an outdoor event. But the uh, the fire chief did state that based on the size of the footprint and their parameters for how many people you can have within that footprint, that the venue that they cleared would have held, per the fire department, up to 200,000 people based on their guidelines. So I don't think based on those numbers that overcrowding of the venue was the issue. It was the crowd surging and the the behavior of the crowd that caused that issue. Not that there was just not enough space for the amount of people, because even if there were a hundred thousand people, and again, that's the total ticket sales for the weekend. Even if there were a hundred thousand people, that's half of what the venue could accommodate. And when you look at the overhead videos of this, you see a very tightly packed crowd near the stage, but you see grid patterns where there are um, aisleways kept open, but I think those were kept open with barricades for ingress and egress after the show. So if you were stuck in the middle of one of those squares, there was nowhere to go because the crowd was so thick. But then as you got to the edges, you could definitely see lots of space towards the back of the crowd, just from the overhead shots that I have seen shared on news media and social media. The fire chief said that one of his main focuses was figuring out what caused the crowd surging and and looking into it that way. So they are also part of this investigation. Now, on Saturday, Travis Scott and uh, his girlfriend and, you know, baby mama, Kylie Jenner, both posted on social media about this incident. Tragedy, disaster. I mean, it's... It, mass casualty event. Um, Travis Scott posted an Instagram video to his stories saying that he was trying to connect with the um, families of the deceased fans, that his fans mean the world to him, that um, when he can make out things going on, he would stop the show. He couldn't imagine the severity of the situation. I'm going to want to know what he was told and when and who made the decision not to tell him or not to tell him to stop performing. 
when a mass casualty was declared. Because even when we get to 938, I feel like we're taking down the last moments of like the Titanic. It's like the band played on. But at 938, why wasn't he told then, hey, we need to at least put the house lights on? Or why didn't someone decide we're putting the house lights on to aid EMS to let people see what's going on because it seems that some of the crowd weren't aware. There's some videos where it looks like Travis Scott sees what's going on. At one point, he stopped and said, hey, can we get that guy help over there? But just went back to performing and it doesn't seem... I don't know how aware he was. I don't know what he knew and when. Those are questions I hope that we see answered. And those are questions that are going to be the focus of these civil lawsuits. Because if he could have helped, and you would imagine the artist from stage saying, hey, there are people in the crowd that need help. We're turning on the lights. Just stay calm. We'll resume. You would think that the artist from stage could kind of keep control of their fan base if they knew what was going on and the severity of it and who decided not to tell him. Or did they? Or did they? Because he has he has an ear where people can speak to him. So I don't know. And there were, from the different clips I've seen, there were times that he was on the main stage and there were times that he was out on these like ancillary things. So in the traveling between the two nobody said anything it's very i have a lot of questions like I, I everyone has a lot of questions but i have a lot of questions he also said that he was devastated and can't imagine what happened kylie posted on her instagram stories and we'll just go over that real quick for those of you on the audio only version um there will be a link down below oh this will be down because it's stories um I will try to post it on my social media because all of these were posted on stories. Nobody posted anything on their main feed of anything. These were all posted to Instagram stories. So by the end of me recording this, these will all be down um, as well. So her statement reads, Travis and I are broken and devastated. My thoughts and prayers are with all those who lost their lives, were injured or affected in any way by yesterday's events. And also for Travis who I know cares deeply for his fans and the Houston community. I want to make it clear we weren't aware of any fatalities until the news came out after the show and in no world would have continued filming or performing. I'm sending my deepest condolences to all of the families during this difficult time and will be praying for the healing of everyone who has been impacted. The reason that is worded the way that it is is because she was sharing Instagram stories um, of the crowd that included ambulances coming in and out. And people were like, how did you not know? Um, but I've been at shows where ambulances have picked somebody up who's twisted an ankle or broken a leg or had a medical emergency in some other way. And it wasn't anything more than that. So I, again, I am hesitant to excoriate people because I don't know what I don't know yet. I am waiting for more facts to come out. I don't know if they appreciated the gravity of the event, but once the crowd starts chanting, stop the show, I, I don't know why someone didn't listen. Clearly, there's not a concern that the crowd is going to be against stopping the show when the crowd is screaming, stop the show, stop the show, stop the show. And someone should have made that call. Who that person is, I don't know. But through the two lawsuits that have already been filed in the two days since this has happened, we might discover that as these things wind through court process. This is just the beginning. Um, there are eight individuals who went to a concert 
to enjoy live music after a year and a half, really, of us being um, unable to go and enjoy live music. I am a huge concert fan, and I love live music. So, you know, to to get out and be with people who like the same music you do, and then to have it take such a deadly turn is heartbreaking. Um, and there will be wrongful death suits for each of those individuals uh, who lost their life. I am speculating, but I am sure that there will be. I can't imagine that they would be ready to do that yet because they are still processing the shock of what has happened and then having to deal with all of the horrible practical, tactical things that you have to deal with um, in planning funerals and notifying families and all of all of what comes next. Um, and just trying to process the information alone is going to take people time. There is a Twitter account called J that's at loyal underscore J that shared their account of what happened, including photos of them in the hospital um, saying, you know, Astroworld decided to share with everyone what happened as last night was a complete nightmare. Last night, I almost died. Seriously, I was in the crowd near the front. Travis just came on stage and the crowd got crazy. I was immediately pushed to the ground. I was flat on the ground and about five other people were on top of me. I was at the bottom. I couldn't breathe. I was screaming for help. Some have said, but if you can't breathe, but I, I take this to mean it was difficult to breathe and then was trying to yell for help. She said, I was screaming for help. Quote, please help me. Y'all are killing me is what I screamed in fear that tonight could have possibly been my last. I was being crushed, stepped on continuously for two minutes straight. Eventually, a random guy saw me struggling. His eyes opened wide. He grabbed me, pulling me up, saying, you need to get out of here. And that's what I did. So she goes on to send uh, prayers for the eight souls who passed and shows um, her in the hospital and then went on to share in a Twitter thread that she's a regular concert goer, that she had been to Astroworld in both 2018 and 2019. And this event was different. The crowd felt different and things got very, very out of hand. I think how things got so out of hand is going to be the question everyone is asking. Um, another performer that was performing on Friday night at Astroworld, Roddy Rich, shared on Instagram that he's donating, it was, it was said in such a business way, donating his net compensation to the families who lost loved ones, which is a very like specific way to say it. I've also seen a lot of comment about the connection to Britney Spears because Travis Scott's business manager is Lou Taylor from TriStar Entertainment. So isn't, isn't, isn't it a small world? And so there has absolutely been criticism there as well. I don't know how involved TriStar and Lou Taylor as the business manager were in planning this, but this is Travis Scott's music festival. So I have to imagine that there is some hand there. And if there is liability to be had, I trust that the lawyers will find it. So far in the two lawsuits that I am going to be reviewing shortly, like literally next, I have not seen TriStar or Lou Taylor mentioned. That doesn't mean that that won't come. It 
This is the very, very beginning. And as discovery goes on, people can be added. Things can be added to these lawsuits in the days and weeks to come. I think the reason these are filed so fast is to preserve evidence. There's already been comments on Twitter that some of Travis Scott's tweets about this and about sneaking people in um, to concerts and encouraging, uh, you know, some of the gate crashing behavior have already been deleted. So that once you're served or on notice of a lawsuit, you have that duty to preserve, you know, the duty to not delete your shit. And I'm sure that that will come up as well. Let's talk about these two lawsuits. I'm going to go kind of backwards from first filed because I have the entire lawsuit and TRO motion for one of them because uh, lawyer Tom is one of the attorneys on it. He's also here on YouTube. I'll link his channel below. And I reached out and said, I see that you have filed one of these along with a, another law firm uh, in addition to his law firm. And so he graciously gave that to me. These haven't populated on the court site yet because they're being filed on the weekend and the court site won't populate until Monday. So all of these that I'm sharing have been given to the uh, outlets by the attorneys. So the first one I'm going to be covering comes from the Daily Mail. They have a few pages of this lawsuit, and we're going to go over the pages that they have and then go over the entirety of the other lawsuit. So this article comes to us from the Daily Mail UK, talking about Travis Scott and Drake being sued for inciting the crowd that left eight festival goers dead. The lawsuit indicates that I believe it's Christian, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Christian Paradise 23 from Austin, Texas, filed a complaint obtained by the Daily Mail Sunday accusing the rappers, Live Nation, and Harris County Sports and Convention Corporation of negligence. According to the complaint, special guest Drake came on stage alongside Travis Scott and helped incite the crowd. Paradise is seeking over a million dollars for bodily injuries, some of which he claims are permanent as well as medical expenses. Uh, that's for just my perspective. When I hear these are going to be permanent injuries, I don't know what is, what is already known, but that is fast from Friday to Sunday to know that, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. It just is very quick. So I'm going to pull up the photos of this that have been shared on daily mail. And you see at the beginning of the lawsuit, it's Christian Parodies versus Jacques Berman Webster II, a.k.a. Travis Scott. It's just written in a strange order. Um, Aubrey Drake Graham, a.k.a. Drake, Live Nation Entertainment, Inc., Harris County Sports and Convention Corporation. They are filing this in Harris County, Texas, which is where the venue is located. They talk about the jurisdiction. Well, they talk about parties and service and then venue first. They talk about the facts of the case, and that's the part we're going to get into. We don't have the rest of this, so there should be a section going over jurisdiction. I just don't see it yet. I only see parties and service listed. So venue is proper, but they don't talk about jurisdiction. Facts. On November 5th, 2021, defendant uh, Travis Scott performed a concert in Harris County, which is the NRG stadium. They say that upon information and belief, defendant 
Travis Scott managed, maintained, produced, supervised, organized, and controlled the concert slash event Astroworld Festival 2021 that took place on November 5th, 2021 at Harris County Sports and Convention Corporation, aka NRG Stadium. I'm just going to call it NRG Stadium. Same with the stage names of the performers. They said prior to November 5th, defendant Travis Scott had incited mayhem and chaos at prior events. Defendants knew or should have known that Travis of Travis Scott's prior conduct. Defendant Drake is a well-known artist who was also a performer at the Astroworld Festival event. In fact, Drake was a surprise guest performer. As Drake came on stage alongside Travis Scott, he helped incite the crowd, even though he knew of Travis Scott's prior conduct. Yet Drake put himself out on stage alongside Travis Scott and continued to be on stage performing alongside Travis Scott as the crowd became out of control. Drake even continued to perform on stage while the crowd mayhem continued. They go on to say plaintiff Christian Parodies attended the concert, uh, the event organized by performing artist Travis Scott. While at the event, Paradise was at the front of the general admission section. The only thing separated the GA section and VIP section was a metal barrier. As Travis Scott's performance began shortly after 9 p.m., when the countdown on stage ended, Paradise felt an immediate rush. The crowd became chaotic and a stampede began, leaving eight dead and dozens, including Paradise, severely injured. Many begged security guards hired by Live Nation for help but were ignored. They get into the count for negligence. Defendants were negligent for inciting a riot and violence. At the time of the incident, plaintiff was an invitee on the property in question. That's because he had a ticket. Um, defendants knew or should have known of uh, Travis Scott's, and then it cuts off, and we don't have any more pages of the suit. But as I cover this, and I'm sure that this will be followed up on uh, in other content by me, uh, I will go through the rest of that, but the main cause of action here is for negligence. We don't have the prayer for relief for the other pages, but again, we will pull them up. I'm sure they are not dissimilar to the other uh, lawsuit that we're going to go over right now. This second lawsuit is being filed by Plaintiff Manuel Souza versus Scoremore LLC, Scoremore Management LLC, Score More Holdings LLC, Sasha Stone Gutterfield, Live Nation Worldwide Inc., Live Nation Entertainment Inc., Live Nation Marketing Inc., Daryl Platt, ASM Global Parent Inc., ASM Global LLC, Mark Miller, Keith Butler, Trey Hicks, Travis Scott, and Cactus Jack Records LLC, which is Travis Scott's uh I don't, his company, I, I don't know much about Cactus Jack beyond knowing that it's his company. So this is their, uh, their complaint also filed in Harris County. They go into the parties, Sousa being a resident of Harris County, being represented by Kirker Garcia LLC. Scoremore is the company. They go through the service address for the multiple Scoremore companies they get into the individual plaintiffs and or the individual pardon defendants and where they reside that most of them were people who were either in charge of the venue or worked for these various companies in some kind of managerial capacity uh they get into the live nation defendants all three of those um entities ASM Global Parent Inc and those companies the rest of the individual defendants and then Travis Scott and Cactus Jack records without really listing so specifically what each of these parties did 
particularly, but we will get to it, hopefully. Uh, the next section is jurisdiction and venue, talking about the fact that all of these entities were involved in Harris County at the location, the NRG Stadium, which is located in Harris County, Texas, and they were all doing business there. Therefore, they you know, availed themselves. They get into the factual background, and that is the part where we kind of learn their theory of the case. Stating on November 5th, 2021, a horrible yet predictable and preventable tragedy struck the Astroworld Festival at NRG Park in Houston. Defendants are owners, operators, promoters, public relations representatives, and or organizers of the concert and or owners or and operators of the premises. Defendants individually and collectively all had and assumed the duty and responsibility for ensuring safe concert operations. Defendants individually and collectively further made representations to concert goers that safety and security are always our top priority and that they would ensure a safe, secure, and positive environment is provided for all attendees, artists, and staff. Tragically, due to the defendant's motivation for profit at the expense of concertgoers' health and safety, and due to their encouragement of violence, at least eight people lost their lives, and scores of others were injured at what was supposed to be a night of fun. And I think they put it not only succinctly, but just that is their theory of the case. Uh, profits over people, and this is the result. On November 5th, 2021, plaintiff attended the Astro World Festival at NRG Park in Houston, Harris County, Texas. Plaintiff paid for a ticket and legally entered the park at the invitation of defendants. Again, this goes to the fact that they were where they were legally allowed to be when it comes to the, the claims down the road and possible civil defenses from the defendants. Plaintiff suffered serious bodily injuries when the uncontrolled crowd at the concert knocked him to the ground and trampled him. Plaintiff's injuries were the inevitable and predictable result of the defendant's conscious disregard for the extreme risk of harm to concert goers that had been escalating since hours earlier. Earlier in the day, concert goers breached a security gate around the park, stampeded into the premises, and trampled over one another. And they link two news reports about that and then attach pictures of the chaos at the gates where you can see the fencing is downed and people are flooding through. In other angles of those photos, you can see that the um, that the metal detectors had also been knocked down. They say that yet defendants made the conscious decision to let the show go on despite the extreme risk of harm to concert goers, indicating that once the gates were breached like that, um, perhaps the proper thing to do was to cancel the show then, being like, look, we can't guarantee the safety. We have all of these people that have come in unscreened. We don't know how many people are on property, and this is creating an unsafe environment. They go on to say later, several times during the ongoing show performed by defendant Travis Scott on the evening of November 5th, emergency vehicles literally drove through the massive crowd to render aid to concert goers who suffered serious, obvious injury. And then they show pictures of everyone with their cell phones up and what appears to be a security or ambulance vehicle driving through the crowd, though it could also be at event venues like this. They also have the like um, open compartment with the emergency lights on them, like the, the beefy golf cart things. It could be that as well from this picture. It's very hard to tell. 
They say this was against a backdrop of multiple reports of tramplings, patrons losing consciousness, patrons being unable to breathe due to profound lack of crowd control, inadequate water, inadequate security, and lack of exit routes. So many people were hurt and so few emergency personnel were provided by defendants that patrons themselves had to conduct CPR to uh, on their fellow concert goers. Yet defendants made the conscious decision to let the show go on despite the extreme risk of harm to concert goers that was escalating by the moment. And this is where I bring up what the fire chief had said about the exit routes, but the exit routes seemed to be barricaded so that there were, um, there were pathways through the crowd, but that once you were in kind of a cube of crowd, you couldn't get out of that because they were uh, so crushed in. This also talks about inadequate water. There are reports on social media that there were only two water bottle filling stations. And for 50,000 people uh, in Houston, Texas, that's probably not going to be adequate water to keep people hydrated, especially when people are at a festival and drinking. People need to be hydrated or they're going to also have medical emergencies at a concert. They go on to allege that eventually, due to the defendant's active decision to let the show go on, the scene developed into a complete melee, resulting in the needless, untimely death of at least eight people and injuries to scores of others. This tragedy was months, if not years, in the making. And then they get into Travis Scott's uh, history with crowd problems, crowd issues, crowd incitement. We will read on. They go on to say on May 5th, 2021, in response to fan complaints about the concert quickly selling out, defendant Travis Scott tweeted, quote, we still sneak in the wild ones in. And then they attached a picture of that tweet. It is reported on Twitter that that tweet has since been deleted, but they linked, uh, hyperlinked to the Reddit thread where, or the Reddit board where that lives. They say this recklessly encouraged fans to breach the barriers and otherwise actively encouraged a culture of violence. They go on to say at the prior Astro World Festival in 2019 at Energy Park, the same quote, bum rushing phenomenon was well documented in which fans breached security barriers and trampled over one another to gain entry into the premises, resulting in injuries. And then they footnote uh, articles relating to that. That was also discussed by the judge that spoke at the press conference on Saturday. They go on to allege this kind of behavior has long been encouraged by the festival's founder and main performer, defendant Travis Scott. Scott actively encourages his fans to, quote, rage at his concerts. And then there is a link to uh, a GQ article and a Vibe article. He expressly encouraged his express encouragement of violence has previously resulted in serious violence at numerous past concerts. And they go on to list them and say in 2015, he was arrested for disorderly conduct in Chicago for inciting violence at a concert. I believe that was a Lollapalooza uh, by encouraging fans to breach barricades in 2017. He was arrested for inciting a riot in Arkansas at a concert. And in 2017, a fan was paralyzed at a Scott concert in New York after a ruckus crowd uh, incited by Scott pushed a fan off a balcony. So there have been other instances and what they're trying to show here is a conscious disregard for safety and this uh, culture of violence like, hey, you should have known this is what happens at your concerts. This is what you encourage in your community or your fan base. And because of that, you should have planned for this as the event planner, not as a performer, but as the event planner, you know what you do 
Therefore, you should have planned better to keep people safe. That's your duty when you're selling them tickets and bringing them to the place. We've, if we've learned nothing from TanaCon, it's that. They go on to say, all of this was known to defendants at all relevant times and in no event prior to the time the first patron entered uh, NRG Park on November 5th, 2021. Defendants failed to properly plan and conduct the concert in a safe manner. Indeed, they consciously ignored the extreme risk of harm to concertgoers and in some cases actively encouraged and fermented dangerous behaviors. Their gross negligence caused plaintiff serious injuries. Plaintiff has therefore been damaged far in excess of the jurisdictional limits in this court. So that's just establishing, look, there is a monetary jurisdictional limit. We've passed that. We're not telling you how much because it's probably unknown at this point how much, and that will come out in discovery in time to come. But um, it's it's enough to bring a, a lawsuit. They go on to the cause of actions. Cause number one being negligence of defendants. Plaintiffs incorporate all the shit above. Plaintiffs would show that defendants had ownership and or control over the instrumentality and activities in question. Plaintiffs' injuries were approximately caused by defendants' negligent, careless, and reckless disregard of their duty. The negligent, careless, and reckless disregard and breach of this duty consisted of, but not limited to, the following acts, and then they list them. Failing to provide a safe environment for concertgoers. Failing to perform concert operations in a safe, reasonable, and prudent manner. Failing to maintain, follow, and enforce policies and procedures for safe concerts and concerts operations. Failing to recognize or remediate known safety hazards. Failing to provide proper, safe equipment and competent personnel. Failure to provide adequate security personnel. Failure to provide adequate medical personnel. And that will definitely come up as some of those videos have made their ways around social media of medics that were hired just flat not knowing what to do with people in distress, the amount of people in distress, and then the circumstance of medical personnel trying to help and also being caught up in the crowds and pushed over and what have you, which would by all accounts be terrifying um, for everyone involved. They go on to say failing to institute precautionary measures to protect concert goers, failure to maintain safety equipment in good working order, violating industry standards, best practices for safe concerts and crowd control, failing to properly train, supervise, monitor, or retain employees and contractors, failure to adequately warn or make safe dangers or conditions which defendant had constructive knowledge and actual knowledge, failing to use ordinary care as a reasonable company would. Uh, these are all different types of negligence. They're only going to have to prove like one of these to show there was negligence. They are listing them out, which is the thorough uh, and appropriate thing to do. Undertaking and assuming a duty to make safe, dangerous conditions. Undertaking uh, a duty to screen and vet concert personnel to ensure they were properly experienced, trained, and otherwise qualified. Undertaking a duty to ensure that the concert was conducted consistent with safe operating practice, which the judge's statement that the um, site plan and the safety plan weren't followed will be really relevant here in these little, uh, in these negligence claims, because it's just like, look, there were procedures that you didn't follow. So this is something they're going to absolutely be looking for in discovery. What was the site plan? What was said? What are the transmissions between, you know, who's communicating with who, who's telling who, what there's going to be so much documentation to go over. I'm not surprised that they filed this quickly to try to get their hands on all of that discovery. They then go plaintiffs further assert the doctrine of race, the thing that speaks for itself. And I appreciate I have not seen a reference in any of the lawsuits that we have covered 
terrisipsiloquitur, which is one of my favorite legal phrases. So cheers on that. They go on to allege gross negligence of defendants, alleging all of the things above, the acts and omissions detailed above, um, and that plaintiffs will show that the injuries and damage that the plaintiff sustained as a result of the incident in question were caused by the gross negligence of the defendant. And again, how does this happen if someone is not grossly negligent, right? Like, how? And if there is someone else, if there is these wild theories of someone else intervening, and the defendants knew that the gates were um, breached, they knew that not everybody inside was screened, and they didn't shut it down to render it safe, then there's problems for them in that as well, because they didn't follow the safety procedures. And they had to know that breaching the gates were possible because it happened at Astroworld in 2019. So because that had happened before, that was a foreseeable thing. And there had to be, if this happens, then what? And if it was, if this happens, then we clear the venue and then bring everybody back in so they're screened. If they didn't do that, they're not following their own plans, which is going to go to help prove negligence here, even if a third party was doing things that were illegal within that context. I guess there's no context. Illegal within any context. The next part is damages, and they're alleging damages, physical pain and suffering, physical pain and suffering that will in all likelihood be sustained in the future, mental anguish, mental anguish that'll be sustained into the future, reasonable and necessary medical expenses incurred, future medical expenses, exemplary damages, and all other damages the plaintiff is entitled to. They go into some local rules about statement of monetary relief sought. Accordingly, plaintiffs state that the monetary relief of over $1 million in an amount to be determined by the jury is being sought. So this is a, hey, we're going to seek a lot of money. So just you be forewarned. And this is under rule 47. These are local rules. Again, I do not practice in Texas. Rule um, 193.7 notice pursuant to Texas rule of civil procedure 193.7. Plaintiffs give notice that plaintiffs intend to use discovery instruments produced in this case at trial. So whatever discovery we get, we're going to use at trial. Notice to preserve evidence is listed here. That's your notice to not delete your shit, any shit, all the shit. If you are watching this and you were there and you have photos or videos and things like that, you're not being sued, but those are things that can also help those that were injured make their case. Um, and it is, it's something that eventually I'm sure the attorneys will be asking for. So just a, just a heads up and an FYI. Duty to disclose, demand for jury trial, and then an application for a temporary restraining order, which they have filed and should be heard on Monday. And that temporary restraining order is to preserve all types of evidence in this case, including videos, audios. And that's going to be the video from the venue, security video, conversations between the command center and law enforcement and fire department and the event you know, staff, the venue staff, all of those communications, they should be able to get and start to piece together what happened here. So they are asking for that. They're asking for a hearing on that temporary restraining order and a request for a temporary injunction. 
um, enjoining the defendant from changing, altering, destroying, modifying evidence related to injuries, fatalities arising from the concert, including but not limited to, and then it lists everything they can get, permits, documents, surveillance footage, electronically stored information, et cetera, et cetera. A request for inspection, request uh, reservation of rights, and then the prayer for relief, including actual damages, pre and post judgment interest, all costs of the court, exemplary damages, and others. And that is really, that is the first lawsuit that's filed in the Astro World tragedy. Um, I, I, I'm just baffled still that this happened. And looking at all these reports, I'm baffled that that it didn't stop that at 9.38, when law enforcement is like, this is now a mass casualty event, that someone didn't get into Travis Scott's ear or put up the house lights or come out on stage and say, you need to ask the crowd to stop moving, to separate themselves out, to turn on the lights and let medical personnel treat those who at that point were either dead or injured. And I just can't fathom how that didn't happen. Um, and I don't know who made that call. And I hope that in the investigation, we will determine and see what well, we won't determine. Someone will determine. Hopefully we will see who made that call and how that decision was made. Because the the statements we have from you know Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott are, we didn't know it was this bad. Well, why? I mean, I get that Kylie's sitting in the crowd. She was present. She was there. And this is her significant other. So, you know, she's not responsible for doing any of that. She was just there. But she was also there with her child and she's pregnant. The fact that she wasn't harmed is is a lucky thing for her, probably because she was in a space back away from the crowds enough that that wasn't a possibility for her. But the fact that that it just there there seemed to be no communication to Travis Scott about what was going on and how significant it was because the event coordinators or at least the head of the venue would have known that law enforcement made that determination. So when Live Nation said we're willing to shut it down, who made the call not to tell the artist or did they tell the artist and he made that call himself? I have a lot of questions here. I'm trying to just keep looking at the facts as they come out. It's interesting to me that they've said that this is a criminal uh, investigation that they are going to to pursue, and we will see what they determine with that. Travis Scott here as the you know one of the creators of this event, producers of the event. What do you call it when it's concerts? You're not a producer like a movie. Maybe you are, but the the creator and and promoter and and host of this event is going to have civil liability there because I can't wrap my head around there wasn't negligence somewhere for something this tragic to go this badly wrong. And for this many people, they had 17 people transported to the hospital, 11 in cardiac arrest, and of that, eight people passed. It's just staggering. So I hope we see the facts. I will keep covering this. This is definitely in the law radar of, is it criminal? Is it civil? I'm very curious to see what these things turn up. It's going to take time. But I think as the autopsy reports come out, we will start to know more about what did and did not happen at Astroworld. And my heart just goes out to all that were there 
to the lives that were lost, to their families that are trying to process this, and to everyone who's like, how do I go to a concert again? And the inevitable PTSD that will come and have to be processed from being part of such a traumatic event. And it it just, it hurts my heart. So that's that's where I'm at at the end of this episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a lawner. Thank you for caring about facts, not fuckery. I'm going to raise a glass and just, ooh, yeah. Th- this just, it makes me so sad. So for us, may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your families be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being a lawner. I will see you in the next one. <laughs>